friends. And replying Tom's messages on the Facebook. And people thinking that I'm cute.
Yes, I'm here to tell you about a brand new attraction. Mary. WMH? Oh, wait, you're telling that. Why am I in Audible, though? Let's figure that out. There we go. You know, <clears throat> you are, in fact, listening to Testone here on Mixler.com. I'm your host uh, this evening, Knuckle Dragger. For the last two hours, I've been bringing you a bevy of electronic music as presented here in the Happy Valley. But I have to briefly pause from the normal uh, proceedings. In and out. You, you hear me, but I'm not here. <sighs> All right, and I'm back. But I could disappear again at any moment. I was afraid of this would happen. As a matter of fact, that is to say, I knew this would happen. So, um, The tale here is don't buy Behringer products. Don't buy the cheapest possible thing of anything, particularly for things like mic preamps. Um, my uh, uh, beloved uh, Symmetrix 528E voice processor, which is the industry standard in radio uh, mic preamp, for anything spoken word, it's not really meant for singing. Um, gave up the ghost, and that's not super surprising because it's nearly a couple de decades old, and it probably has capacitors that need to be replaced. Um, and uh, I ended up buying a, a Behringer uh, tube preamp, which is a complete joke. And it was about $100, and that's $100 down the drain because I already need to replace it. As a matter of fact, for less than twice the price, and I should also point out it's a two-channel, meaning it can do two mics poorly at once, uh, for a little bit more than double the price, about $180, $190, I could have bought a DBX brand one that was a single channel, which is all I need, that is much better made and had, besides better components, um, there was a couple features like I think it had a compressor section in it, which is super useful for anyone who is as emphatic as myself. And beyond that, I strongly suspect after, uh, I think, less than two years, the DBX would still be fucking working, unlike this um, 
uh, Behringer, which I more or less have to adjust, and it's not even adjust. I literally just have to voodoo it. I have to go over to the output knob on the uh, mic pre-stage and just move it. And if I move it again, it stops working. If I move it again, hey, it's working again. It's just absolutely idiotic. And even though I knew all this, because it's been acting up all week before the start of the show, I knew no matter what I did that it would actually fail when I wanted to start talking. With that said, I can hear me, and I assume you can hear me, and I did, in fact, play a few tracks tonight um, of variety. Thank you. What did it just do? Wow, that is absolutely not what I wanted it to do. Um, set, oh, set font. Why would it do that? Anyway, as I was saying, we did, in fact, play a bunch of tracks tonight. should be really careful with um, fat fingering is normally a term applied to uh, when one um, puts their giant and uh, ungainly mitts on a keyboard and... It hits a combination of keys that trigger disaster. Something that I have done more than my share of times. In fact, even doing it on the gosh darn uh, radio show right in the middle of a broadcast. But in this case, it's the um, uh, touchpad. Um, I had highlighted the last track I had played because I, I was pasting it into the search bar in my um, Tempestuous Teutonic DJ software tractor uh, in order to, um, you know, cue it up to play it. And uh, I still had it highlighted, and I um, fat-fingered the um, touchpad, and it said, set font too. And I'm like, I really don't want to set the font, Mr. Text Editor. I just want to read the gosh darn set list. Um, because I know you were all raptly fascinated with my um, uh, unwanted uh, uh, forays into unintentional graphic design. As I was saying, we start off tonight with uh, synth.nl. No points for guessing what country he's from. That was oceanog oceanography. Well, that should not be that hard a word to say now, should it? That is from his album of the same name. Uh, though, curiously, the album is Camel Case Oceanography. I don't know why, because that's not how you pronounce the word as far as I know in any language. Um, and that is the title track. Uh, Synth.nl is, oddly enough, a fellow from the Netherlands named Michael van Ozenbruggen. Um, that is from his third album, which came out in 2009. He, uh, has, he's really big on Camel Case. He did Aerodynamics in 07, Atmosphere in 2008, Ocean, Oceanography in 2009. Uh, and then, uh, he, uh, gave up, uh, the Camel Case for his following releases, um, Refuge en Vere, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, uh, with, uh, Run Boots, who I know exactly nothing about, 2010. Apollo in 2011, and then he came back in 2013 for his final album. If he's done anything else since then, I'm unaware of it. With Primitives, which is downright leet speak and has some um, fantastically dated, and I mean, like, not dated by today's standard, I mean dated by 2013 standard, which wasn't that long ago. It was eight years ago, dear God. Um, CGI on it. Like, it has the kind of cover art you might expect to have been made by a um, graphic designer excited to get their hands on their first rendering machine in 1994. I don't know why, though. Um, he is a uh, Michael Van uh, Ozenbruggen, uh, an owner of a fairly large collection of analog synths, and um, while he's not the uh, absolute king of synthesis as a couple other of his European brethren, he certainly has gone fairly deep into carving out some interesting analog textures for his ambient works. Uh, that might be the first time I've played that particular song on Testone, at least in the laptop era. I can't speak about the early CD-ROM era. I'd have to go digging into some ancient set list to find out. Followed Synth.NL with Solar Fields. That was Small Little Green Cubes. And boy, did that rather excellent track send me on just an absolute uh, bender. 
over this week. Um, the reason being is that that appears on his uh, Blue album, which came out back in 2014. Uh, and then again on the um, compilation Red, Green, Blue, which is oddly enough a collection of three albums, each named after one of the primary colors. And, um, well, primary colors for light mixing, but that's another matter. Uh, I had two versions of it uh, stowed away carefully in my flack archive, and they were different lengths, fairly substantial, like upwards of a minute, well, nearly a minute. And um, I was trying to figure out what the difference was and um, and what the origin was, and I still haven't entirely figured out why there are two different ones, but I went with a longer one because there's a longer outro, and that is what you heard this evening. Uh, Solarfields, of course, is a Swedish fellow with the absolutely Viking name of Magnus Bergerson. He uh, produced a series of legendary albums on the then-fledgling Ultime Records out of France, including the absolute landmark 2001 album Reflective Frequencies, which is 20 years old now and sounds just as modern now as it did two decades ago. Uh, he has done an absolute massive collection of fantastically good music, um, from Psychill produced with 90s uh, acid trance equipment, as he did in Reflective Frequencies, um, actual dance floor driven kind of progressive side trance as he did on Earthshine. Um, just stunning, brilliant dance music from 2012's Random Friday. Uh, video game soundtrack, he did the uh, OST to um, the excellent first person parkour game Mirror's Edge in 2009. And all sorts of ambient and almost not quite, I wouldn't say he go as far to say he, he's gone into experimental territory, but he's gone pretty deep into the uh, ambient spectrum completely outside of what would be um, palatable to your average, oh, I don't know, Psytrance listener. Um, and he doesn't really produce for Ultime anymore. Uh, his last album for Ultime was back in 2013. Um, Ultime is still around, but they are not precisely what they were in the first decade of their existence. Uh, followed Solar Fields with Mr. Lenny Ibizar. That was Nadir, which is from the first Ibizar album, uh, the Ambient co uh, Collection. Uh, compilation one. It has a couple different names depending on which pressing you have. Um, I uh, I don't know which version I have. I'd have to squint at some barcodes. Mine is just the Ambient Collection Volume One, not compilation. Um, came out all the way back in 1997. I have described Lenny Ibizar on this show at great length before. Um, <clears throat> he has been making Ibiza uh, styled down tempo for 25 years now. Um, under a bunch of different names, including Ibizar, his, well, he doesn't actually use his genuine name, which is Lenart Karup, which is, I think, Danish. Uh, but he has released an album under the name Lenny Ibizar. Um, he did a, a one-off uh, under the name Jester. Uh, he done a number of, um, like, flamenco tracks under, like, flamenco down tempo, I kid you not, under the name King Kitsch, and all sorts of other things. He is a ludicrously talented fellow and quite down to earth actually um, while at the same time literally being up on top of one of the mountains in the Swiss Alps. Uh, we followed Ibizar with Chilled Sequence which is not spelled the way any normal person would do it. That was Collective Memories which is as far as I know uh, a one-off. Chilled Sequence is um, a pair of Portuguese actually. They're from Porto, Portugal. They've put out two albums. They did Magic Sense in 2006 and Dream Triggers in 2008. It took me forever to actually get copies of those because uh, Portuguese record labels have miserable distribution. What we heard tonight was uh, Collective Memories, which is from their debut album uh, on Ambo World, which is a label I know exactly nothing about. Um, as I said, it um, took me forever to get my hands on that. 
Uh, followed Chilled Sequence with International People's Gang. That was experience number one, which is from the uh, effectively uh, one-off album um, on um, the Mighty EMT records from 1995. Um, they would return... Uh, 10 years, well, 11 years later in 2006 with a second album on EMT when they were reborn before going bust again. Uh, and then a third one called Up, which I have never heard, which came out in 2010 on a completely different label. At some point, I will track that down. Um, as is the case with everything related to EMT, uh, the physical uh, copies of both their albums are quite expensive in the used market. EMT is decidedly a cult label. Uh, International People's Gang is one of the cheaper ones as far as such things go. Um, when you get into the really desirable leases like the ones by Gas and, of course, Woob, they can be eye-wateringly expensive. Uh, followed International People's Gang with D-Echo Project. That was Wicked Dub, significantly the Smooth Gene Star remix. That is on the, um, I guess you could call it open source label, uh, Cyan, out of Germany. That is from the uh, Smooth Gene Star Remix album, uh, Hands On Treasures Remix, which came out uh, five years ago in January of 2016. Smooth Gene Star, of course, is Marco Curler, and he is the man who runs Cyan Records. Um, significantly, D-Echo Project is um, a pair of fellas who are actually another pair of Portuguese, uh, Walter or Walter uh, Silva and Roger uh, Coelho. Um, I can mangle Portuguese names all I want. I am sufficiently of Portuguese descent. Uh, I have genetic license to absolutely screw up their surnames. Um, and these guys, Diaco Project, have been quite prolific and almost entirely on uh, Cyan Records. They have put out um, five albums on Cyan and then one self-released, which is also on their Bandcamp. Um, and it's all more or less in the same vein of decidedly German thing, even if they are not, in fact, Germans. They're producing a sub-sub-sub-genre of electronic music that is definitely Teutonic in origin, which is um, down-tempo. It sits somewhere between, like, I don't know, down-tempo trip-hop, though it's not really trip-hop at all, of course, uh, and um, minimal tech house, just dubbed into oblivion and significantly slower than most dance-floor-oriented uh, tech house. Which is a fairly, it's both something very specific, but also a fairly large swath of music coming out of Germany for the last, I don't know, 20 years at this point. Um, it's, certainly that taps into what Smooth Gene Star does as well, and that's probably why D-Echo Project are on uh, Smooth Gene Star's label. Follows the uh, D-Echo Project with Patchwork, Mr. Jens Paulsen. That was um, Psychem, spelled with Y's, because why not? Uh, that is from his eponymous debut album, which came out all the way back in January of 1997. Uh, Patchwork, of course, is um, Mr. Jens Paulsen, who did four albums under that name uh, and then um, gave up on the uh, IDM minimal down-tempo, call it what you will, uh, teamed up with a friend of his uh, named Stefan Ebinger and did two very organic um much more, I don't know, ethnic-fueled uh, down-tempo albums under the name Basile Noir, uh, an eponymous one in 2001, different places in 2005. 
he has actually been uh, producing new material that is actually not on Discogs uh, with his pal um, Daniel Strizek. Strizek? It's S-T-R-Y-C-Z-E-K. Um, called Paulson and Strizek, oddly enough. Um, and they did Sleepy Shuttle back in 2013. They've done two or three other albums, which are all web releases, the information for which is primarily in German, though thankfully we have Google Translate, though it doesn't always get the minutia of electronic music right. Uh, and they've all been web releases, and no one has submitted them to Discog, so there you go. And no, I am not going to be the one to do that. Followed Patchwork with Mr. Alex Cortez. That was Midnight Parlay. We're going to have to speed up if we're going to get through this. Um, uh, that is, of course, Mr. Ad Dimoy, everyone's favorite vibe and Dutchman. That is from one of his newer albums that is not on Discogs. Um, and as last thing on that, uh, Alex Cortez, of course, has grown hugely as an artist in the last, I don't know, 25 years that he's been making electronic, been making electronic music under that name because Ad Dimoy has been making electronic music in Netherlands since like 1989. I think he actually can take credit for uh, penning the first house music track ever produced in the Netherlands in like 89, I think. So um, he's been at it for over 30 years. But I will say this, he certainly has really evolved as an artist and keeps expanding what the sound is of the Alex Cortez name, which has kept it interesting for decades at this point. Followed Alex Cortez with Souls of Mischief, the um, bohemian left coast hip hop act that was 93 Till Infinity, the instrumental version, uh, which is uh, from the single, actually, which came out, of course, oddly enough, in 1993. If you've never heard the vocal version, it's one of the best pieces of, uh, I think we'll at that point still call it early 90s hip-hop ever. Absolute timeless classic there. Followed Souls of Mischief with Tosca. That was, now this is a track that has an interesting history. Boss on the boat, but very significantly, depending on whether you are holding the CD or the vinyl version of Tosca's 2000 album Suzuki, the track in question which is on the CD, it is uh, the seventh track, is either going to be written as bass on the boat or boss on the boat. And part of the trouble is the font they used. It's nearly impossible to tell whether it's an O or an A. And there have, I kid ye not, been some fairly lengthy flame wars on a couple different sites, including Discogs, over which is correct. I think it's boss on the boat, but you could make a case it's bass on the boat. My copy, the physical copy that I have in the other room, it's absolutely boss. Um, and I actually own the vinyl version as well, which, by the way, has gotten ludicrously expensive for the original 2000 pressing. Apparently because the repress that came out quite recently is crappy. Um, I don't know why. I guess a lot of modern vinyl represses are terrible. And that's a shame because, you know, we've been pressing vinyl for 100 years at this point. More. You'd think we'd have it down. Um, but uh, in that instance, um, the uh, it was a 2017 repressing. Apparently made people really unhappy. Uh, yet the 2000 pressing, which is in my estimation fine, you can get a pretty scuffed one for 30 bucks plus shipping. But man, if you want a real clean one, it very quickly, the, um, this guy wants uh, 75 euros plus 15 euros shipping. Um, that translates to um, $110 in the United States. Mine and not mint, but it's clean enough. And screw your people with your sale prices on the used market. Uh, point being is, is, regardless of what pressing you have or what um, name it says in the back of the release, uh, that is some uh, classic Tosca right there. Follow Tosca with Zero Cult. That was Inside the Urban Ocean, which is from 
um, their album uh, Dreams in Stereo, which came out on Cosmic Leaf Records, which of course is the best record label coming out of Greece right now, uh, all the way back in 2009. Uh, Zero Cult is actually an Israeli fellow named Emil Ilyayev, um, who is, uh, <clears throat> produces what definitely gets lumped under Sychill, uh, partially because he's an Israeli, and Israel is the um, ground zero for everything Psytrance. But in addition to that, um, I th honestly think he has a, a more than a little bit of IDM influence in what he does. Followed Zero Cult with some old-school British trip-hop that was Slick 60, Recliner Classic, which is from the um, uh, their album uh, Nibs and Nabs, which uh, came out in uh, 1998, but it's also from... Uh, Cup of Tea uh, Records, uh, another compilation which came out the year prior in 97, though I didn't get my hands on that till about 10 years later. I've told the story great many times. I'm not going to get into the whole thing again now, but I bought a uh, stack of CDs at some point in the mid-aughts from a guy who had clearly dumped his collection and moved everything to his iPod or whatever else, and... Um, uh, there were a number of releases I wanted, including there was this very odd compilation that had this bright pink background and a very, like, stately-looking British teacup, and it said, Cup of Tea Records, another compilation. I said, boy, that's odd, put it at the bottom of the stack. some point, uh, a few years later, I picked up that compilation, the whole thing, and it was chock-full of amazing mid-'90s UK trip-hop. Very organic in nature, lots of samples, broken-up almond beats, just absolutely fantastic, and blew my mind that... For the entire existence of Cup of Tea Records, I had no idea what they were, and it was nearly a decade after they had shut their doors that I finally discovered them. But I have made up for that in the last, oh, I don't know, dozen-plus years. Uh, we followed a Slick 60 with Kronos. That was I'm Not Pretty, the remix. One of those cases where the remix is just called Remix. That is from the web release, again on the Mighty Cosmic uh, Leaf Records, uh, called Colorful. came out uh, a year and a half ago, uh, actually, in uh, late 2019. Kronos is um, a Russian fella by the name of uh, Nikita um, uh, Klemenko. And uh, I hope you're sitting down here. He is a Russian Psychill producer who is alarmingly, stupefyingly prolific. He's only been putting out albums since 2007. He's managed 17 of them, and I bet you there's more than that. I have given my rant about how... Um, uh, Russians and other uh, so ex-Soviet bloc countries have such a disproportionate number of insanely good, absolutely mind-boggling, prolific electronic music artists, particularly given that it is a fairly sparsely populated part of the world, rant a great many times, and I'm not going to revisit the whole thing. I just will say Kronos, this particular one, Mr. Klemenko, is yet another example of that. Followed Kronos with Thievery Corporation, that was... Holograph Universe, which is from their album, The Cosmic Game, which came out all the way back in 2004. Thievery of Corporation, of course, need no real introduction at this point. They are um, the uh, poster children, even if they're old men at this point, uh, of American, like, absolutely glass-smooth, um, fastidiously produced... Um, rubbing elbows with uh, genuine pop stars, uh, American down-tempo. Um, they have been absolutely huge since the late 1990s. Uh, that album, Holographic Universe, I'm sorry, that's the name of the song. That album, The Cosmic Game, um, it's not my favorite by them, but it's still got uh, more winners than losers, and uh, I haven't played that particular track in bloody ages. Speaking of track, are we out of background ambient? No, we're not. Um, we followed Thievery Corporation with Edge of the Universe, The Synthetics. Now, 
as I said, I need to get through the set list sometime before uh, I run out of broadcast time because I only could do three hours at a chunk uh, because Mixler. Um, I <clears throat> don't like to play the same song that often. As a matter of fact, I like to put a, with the rarest of exception, a couple years between times I play a song on Test Home. And I'm able to do that because I have like, I don't know, coming up on 6,000 tracks in my virtual record bag. I'm not kidding. Let's find out. I think it's like 5,800 or something. Um, though uh, my tempestuous Teutonic DJ software keeps track of all that. doesn't make it easy. Yeah, I actually more than that. I have 5,837 as of today. Um, now, technically speaking, Saturday, May 1st. Um, and, of course, there's all sorts of things in there that don't exactly count as tracks. Every vocal sample and, you know, snippet that I use uh, is included in there. But still, it is, I use the scientific term, a metric shit ton. Um, and uh, bless its heart, a tractor does keep track of the last time I play a song, though uh, the way it works, um, it counts a song as played if you've played a minute of it. Um, and there are many instances where I queue up a song, mess with it, and I don't actually end up using it in a set. It's, ah, well, you played that. Um, so I can always tell what I'm putting together a set when was the last time I played it, and I always look at the year. It's like, haven't played it since 2019. Well, that's considered. Played it in 2021. Definitely not. Haven't played it since 2013. Well, then it's probably not a good song. Well, tonight's song I know I played at some point within the last far less than a year, but I had to re-import a new MP3 of it for reasons not worth getting into, but it had to do with a combination of Bandcamp and my own stupidity two things that are um, nearly infinite sometimes. Uh, shout out, by the way, I should say, to the um, uh, Edge of the Universe for making that album actually a free download now on Bandcamp. So if you like that, you can track it down uh, at uh, just Google Edge of the Universe Bandcamp and uh, you will be able to find it. Um, and what I did was download the Flax, but I had done something wrong. It's not worth getting into what. And I had to import a new version. So I had no idea when the last time I played it and it worked in tonight's set. So there you go. Uh, followed Edge of the Universe with Ugress from the first Ugress album, going all the way back to 2002. That was Queen of Darkness, uh, which is from the album Resound. Uh, still my favorite album by Ugress, even if it is a little bit, um, oh, I don't know, naive at times. Um, the vocalist on that, uh, 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 Therese uh, Vadim, Norwegian lady, um, she sang uh, quite a bit on the first album and actually performed live with Ugress. Uh, in the early aughts before uh, Parting Ways, um, he had uh, the main guy behind uh, Ugress has had a bunch of vocalists since then. But really, it's a one man operation and whomever is um, in the studio with him at a given time. Followed Ugress with Turbo Knight. We got really into the uh, synthwave here for a minute. That was uh, Resin Gen. I think it's Jan. I don't think it's Gan. It probably is Gan. It probably is Resin Gan, which is a um, one off. Uh, single he released three years ago in early 2018. Turbo Knight is a um, Finnish fella. His name is uh, Antti, A-N-T-T-I. Uh, bear with me here. Uh, Hurinainen, and that is a real guess at how to say his name. Um, he's been at the whole synthwave thing for um, four or five years now. The first proper album he did was in 2017. Um, that is one of his early, well, I shouldn't say, it's one of his mid-period releases, I guess you'd say at this point. Uh, Fall Turbo Night with uh, an artist. I They wrote it in Leet Speak, but uh, I think they did it wrong. It's Z6B3R. The name of the song is Night Terrors. Now, using the uh, number three for an E in Leet Speak goes back uh, decades at this point, honestly, to 
damn near probably fully 30 years ago. Um, but six in leet speak is not normally a vowel. And I don't know what they were trying uh, uh, to use. Because, like, if it were an A, usually use four for an A. Like, if it's Zabber or Zaber. I don't know. So I have no idea how this idiot is um, asking uh, us to pronounce his name. That is uh, from an album that was, uh, it's a web release called Power Synth. Um, which is maybe or maybe not uh, a definite sub-sub-genre uh, of synthwave. I think the jury is out on that one, but I'm also now leaning towards probably not. Um, and that is definitely very aggressive, hands-in-the-air uh, synthwave right there. Uh, we followed Zaber, I'm guessing that's how you say it, with uh, uh, Jasper Byrne from the Hotline Miami soundtrack, the first one that was Hotline, the analog mix, uh, which is from the official soundtrack, which came out all the way back in... 2016. Um, not too much to say about that except for the significance of the original Hotline Miami soundtrack is that it kind of opened the idea of Synthwave to uh, a massive audience that would have otherwise never heard it because the Hotline Miami video, and particularly the first one, was an absolute cult classic and um, has aged quite well, I would say. It was not just a splash in the pan. The follow-up is a very good game, but not nearly as good and also has an excellent soundtrack. By the by, if you want to buy that original vinyl version, holy shit is expensive. I talk about a lot of things being expensive on here. There are two copies currently on Discogs for the vinyl version of the Hotline Miami soundtrack. One is $240 plus shipping in the US. The other is 327 euros, which comes to just under $400. That is insanity. Uh, followed uh, Jasper Byrne with... Artie Fufkin with Crazy Logic, which is a mashup of Gnarls Barkley versus Supertramp versus Rockwell. Um, that is one of my favorite guilty pleasure mashups ever. Had not played it in the show in two and a half years. I always think I play that song all the time, but I literally had not played that since sometime in late uh, 2018, and it worked with what I was doing tonight. Follow that with Blackfish. That was worth fighting for. That is a very peculiar song from their album Hidden Shore. came out in early 05. Um, significantly there about that song is that it's like, and you can't even use the term here, I would say it's like, it's like a five and a half minute song and it's three minutes of intro, but really it's three minutes of beatless and then it's got some explosive beats at the end and that's what we heard. Uh, followed Blackfish with Trance Fury, that was September, the uh, Dream Long Dead mix. Uh, that is from a one-off, which is not even on Discogs, but I can tell you firsthand it's a web release with Two versions on there. Odd name for an artist, Trans Fury, because it's not particularly either of those. But Trans Fury with TRS, that was La Lam, and I'm sure I'm mangling that because it's full of um, uh, diacritic marks. Uh, that is from <clears throat> the first compilation on the Mighty Ultima Records going all the way back to April of 2001, fully 20 years at this point. The uh, second proper release on Fahrenheit, full of uh, soon-to-be classics including that track right there, which I think it actually marks the first time, even though I've had Ultimate Records for most of their last 20 years at this point. The first time I played that one on this uh, particular track, at least on this show. Uh, then we had, um, <clears throat> speaking of old school, Neutron 9000's Breakdown and Bleed, which is like 1990 or 91. That's from the 9000 AD EPS, which came out in 1990. Um, and that is my favorite... Um, track off that record shout out to a friend of mine it's vinyl only who digitized it and sent me flax of it because um 
I didn't want to pay for shipping for a record to the United States that would get faulted in half by the idiot record company. And uh, uh, it's not like Dominic Woozy has a band camp. Speaking of people who need a band camp, Dominic Woozy tops the list. Um, but uh, that is a story for another day. Um, Dominic Woozy was insanely prolific in the early 1990s from like 90 through 94 and then just completely disappeared. But apparently he's still around. Uh, he got in contact with... Uh, my friend Tim, who is um, running a Bandcamp label for vinyl re-releases, which is the thing Bandcamp does, by the way. And he has, uh, that is to say, Tim has been re-releasing a lot of early stuff uh, like uh, Neutron 9000. He actually re-released one of Neutron 9000's albums, um, different material, in uh, vinyl. And I said, I actually sent him a message. I said, "Wow, that's great. What about the Greenhouse Effect, which is the first album that is unobtainium on CD, because all of the CD copies are um, distorted, um, because um, there's something called a disc rot, the pressing plant that uh, released more or less all of the material of that era on Profile Records in the UK, uh, used inferior materials, and the CDs have yellowed and had other problems with the reflective layer." So CD players can't read them, and CD-ROM drives can't read, or DVD-ROMs, whatever optical drive you got, can't read the goddamn disc, meaning no one can rip them. You can get the vinyl copy, or at least the original pressings, of which there's a shit ton quite cheaply. You can't get a copy of the CD. I saw one bring 138 bucks on eBay maybe a dozen years ago. And even then, the discs were starting to fail, and they're in far worse shape now. Now, this wouldn't be a problem if anyone had bought a copy when it was you know, still playable and ripped it to flack, but literally no one has done that. I have 320 kilobit MP3s, and that's as good as you're going to get, and that's why that album breaks my heart. Um, with that said, uh, the music that Dominic Woozy was making at that time was absolutely timeless, and particularly that track right there. It definitely sounds like 1990 UK rave, but man, that freaky little melody that runs through the whole thing is as infectious now as it was 31 years ago. Followed Neutron 9000 with Great Leap Forward. That was in the name of the supernatural. Uh, first off, Great Leap Forward, that is a reference to a series of horrific social movements that the Chinese Communist government did in the, oh, I don't know, mid part of the 20th century to uh, make an attempt to modernize their civilization. Uh, I think the end result was something like massive famine and the deaths of untold people and not much forward progress. Um, but uh, it's, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it an edgy name, but it's certainly um, a cheeky name for an artist. Um, uh, that song is, uh, no, there must be some reason why it's not on Discogs, uh, because Great Leap Forward sure are. Um, it is um, a fella named uh, Marius Katz, uh, he did one um, Psytrance album on uh, Flying Rhino Records in 2001 and one single, and that was basically it. Uh, Flying Rhino was one of the big names in, well, and to keep in mind who's saying this, relatively non-shitty Psytrance in the late 90s and early aughts. Um, that particular track, if I'm not mistaken, is on a number of compilations. Uh, my version is from the uh, Fahrenheit Project Part 5, which is the fifth compilation of that series um, on Ultima Records that came out in 2005. And I only recently added that to my virtual record bag because I'm still playing catch-up from things that I had in the CD era, uh, digitizing them, or not really digitizing, ripping the CDs or just downloading Flax because honestly it's easier than ripping the goddamn CD, um, <clears throat> and uh, converting them to MP3 and adding them to my uh, virtual record bag. 
I added that track, which is I've been listening to for more than 15 years at this point, to my record bag like last week, right before I got super sick and didn't do last week's show. Uh, but somehow we got it into this week's set. I'm Knuckle Dragger. This has been a special. We're back after two weeks edition of Testone. If you enjoyed what you heard, I do this every Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight, invariably later here on Mixler.com. Unless like last week where I got deathly ill because I ate the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it took me four and a half days to like be of sufficient strength to once again be a vaguely functional human being. And that meant absolutely no radio show uh, last Friday or Saturday. And it also meant that I had an extra week to work on tonight's set, which of course meant I rearranged and redid the whole thing. If you already heard, as I said, I do this with fairly good regularity, um, serious uh, physical illness notwithstanding, here on Mixler.com. I will be back next week for more of the same, only decidedly different. Thank you for listening. <laughs>